When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aegon the Conqueror's prophetic dream of the long night. It's a big deal on House of the Dragon, but George R. R. Martin has said that it's something that happened in the book canon as well. That means that it wasn't just Rhaegar Targaryen who was thinking about the prince that was promised and the end times, but rather many or even most of the Targaryen monarchs that ruled during the 281 years of their dynasty. So what did the Targaryens do with such prophetic knowledge? How did they handle it? How is it passed down? And what does all this mean for the story of A Song of Ice and Fire? Happy belated Halloween and Day of the Dead, everyone. So yeah, Aegon's prophetic dream, uh, it's a pretty big deal. It turns out to be the Song of Ice and Fire, as that's apparently what Aegon called it. Now, hopefully book readers, when watching the scene where King Viserys explains that Aegon's Song of Ice and Fire is a prophecy about the prince that was promised coming from the Targaryen bloodline and saving the world from a threat out of the north, hopefully you immediately thought of Danny's vision of Rhaegar in the House of the Undying. You know, the one where he appears to Danny holding his firstborn son Aegon and saying he is the prince that was promised and... His is the Song of Ice and Fire. Rhaegar was far from the only Targaryen to speak of the prince that was promised, as we'll discuss, but it's always been a little vague as to why he alone would link that prince or princess to the Song of Ice and Fire. Now we can deduce that Rhaegar must have found some trace of Aegon's prophecy and that the book version of Aegon's prophecy must also be called the Song of Ice and Fire, or at least it must contain those words. And that means that there is some kind of line of transmission between Aegon and Rhaegar, and now Danny, that spans the entire length of the Targaryen dynasty. This is interesting for all kinds of reasons. Uh, first, it basically places all the Targaryen monarchs, or at least many of them, in the position that we've always thought of Rhaegar as being in, in that every Targaryen who knew about this prophecy would think about themselves as being responsible for not only the Seven Kingdoms, but the eventual fate of the entire world. We saw poor King Viserys stewing, if you will, in that pressure cooker on season one of House of the Dragon. And now we can essentially imagine most Targaryen monarchs dealing with that same crushing weight of responsibility. Secondly, the idea that Aegon had such a specific prophecy about the coming return of the Long Night and the others causes us to re-examine any and all passages where the Targaryens are talking about dreams or prophecy of any kind. And boy, are there some crazy passages that I found in both Duncan Egg and The World of Ice and Fire, let alone the main series. And third, knowledge of Aegon's prophecy potentially 
explains certain actions by certain Targaryen monarchs, particularly their actions where it concerns the North and the Starks. In fact, I think it's likely that the Starks were told of this prophecy by Aegon, and I'll be making a follow-up video to this one to discuss that, as well as something that's coming up on the next season of House of the Dragon called The Pact of Ice and Fire, which involves both Starks and Targaryens. Now, one important point regarding what's true for the show, House of the Dragon versus the books, A Song of Ice and Fire. We know from George and Ryan that the idea of Aegon having a prophecy about the Long Night is a George idea that's true for the books as well. However, the idea that Aegon carved his dream on a Valerian steel knife and passed it down the generations to King Viserys is something that Ryan Condal came up with for House of the Dragon. Now, Ryan is, of course, coming up with things for House of the Dragon in close consultation with George, as opposed to just sort of pulling ideas out of left field. And that seems to be particularly true concerning the Targaryen lore and the dragon lore. More importantly, though, I think it's simply logical to assume that Aegon would have wanted to pass his advanced knowledge of the White Walker threat down to subsequent Targaryen kings, or else the warning isn't much good, right? The fact that Rhaegar seems to have learned of it is, of course, further evidence that Aegon did record it and preserve it by some means. So today, we'll deal with the general ramifications of the prophecy, we'll trace the knowledge of the prophecy back through time, and at the end, we'll talk about whose hands it would have had to pass through to reach King Viserys specifically, as it does on the show. All right, the prophecy that was promised. So before we talk about the transmission of Aegon's prophecy down through the generations, we have to simply grapple with the reality of its existence and the fact that it appears to provide the answer to the mystery of why did Aegon and his sisters suddenly decide to conquer Westeros? The first thing to realize is that Aegon was, of course, not the first Targaryen to have prophetic dreams. And in fact, his dream about the end of days had numerous precedents, which he himself would have been aware of. There's Daenys the Dreamer, of course, who famously foresaw the doom of Valyria and saved House Targaryen from annihilation. Her prophecies were written down in a book called Signs and Portents, and Aegon definitely had a copy. Then, in the third Duncan Egg novella, The Mystery Knight, Bloodraven tells us that there have always been Targaryens who dreamed of things to come since long before the conquest. That is, no doubt, a reference to Daenys the Dreamer, but also clearly refers to there having been other pre-conquest Targaryen dragon dreamers as well. Aegon would have known their names and what they prophesied. Now, as it turns out, it wasn't just pre-conquest Targaryens on Dragonstone who were seeing visions of a coming long night in prophecy, but the ancient Valyrians themselves, and shout out to my friend Temetelix, at Dracarys5267 on Twitter, who caught this obscure passage in the world of ice and fire that I had either missed or forgotten about, I'm embarrassed to say. The maesters writing the World of Ice and Fire tell us, stunningly, that Septon Barth had a belief that ancient Valyrian priests had 
prophesied that the doom of man would come out of the land beyond the narrow sea, which of course means Westeros. Now, Barth also speaks of a somewhat similar sounding Valyrian prophecy that, quote, the gold of Casterly Rock would destroy them, which is a clue about the doom and the faceless men. Check out, the doom was an inside job. And quite honestly, that quote got a lot more attention in the fandom when the world of ice and fire came out. But wow, that first one, I mean, Barth knows his business concerning Valeria, so we can assume that this is true and that there were prophecies about the doom of man, meaning the end of the world, in ancient Valeria. Now, as huge a find as this is, we shouldn't really be surprised. After all, we know that an ancient prophecy from Ashai, the one Melisandre is always banging on about, speaks of the Long Night, the Red Comet, Azor High's rebirth, and the return of dragons to the world, all in the same breath. So it's hardly surprising that the Valerians might have prophecies about similar things. The Valerians probably trace their roots to Ashai, according to me and Septon Barth anyway, and check out my Great Empire of the Dawn videos. And the fact that Azor High Reborn is going to be a Valerian, meaning that Danny and John are Valerians, also makes it kind of more likely that ancient Valerian priests would have prophesied their coming, just as they did the coming of the Doom of Man, which is the new long night that John and Danny will have to fight with the last Targaryen dragons. So that's the backdrop for Aegon having his prophetic dream. It probably wouldn't have surprised him at all, and in fact it would have simply been a more specific prophecy about the same things that the old Valyrian priests were foreseeing, and perhaps Daenys the Dreamer as well. If the Valyrians were aware of the ancient Ashai prophecies of Azor High's return, as I suspect they were, then it's likely Aegon would also have been aware of those, and would have thought of them when he himself dreamed of a dragon-riding savior who would fight a mysterious threat from the north. The memory of Danny's the Dreamer's vision and how accurate it was would of course still be very fresh in the minds of Aegon and his sisters, since it's the only reason why their great-great-great-great-grandparents aren't tiny pieces of char on the ruined Valyrian Peninsula. And that is why it's very, very believable that Aegon and his sisters would actually go the distance of conquering all of Westeros on the strength of a prophetic dream. Aenar Targaryen acted on faith when he heard his daughter Daenys' vision of the doom, and Aegon would have been thinking of them when he decided to conquer Westeros based on his faith in his dream. As a matter of fact, I'm guessing Aegon probably spoke of Daenys early and often when he told Visenya and Rhaenys about his own dream and tried to convince them to conquer Westeros with him. And he surely would have told them about his dream. I mean, Rhaenys and Visenya are described in all ways as Aegon's partners in conquest, acting as his generals and surrogates throughout, with all three of them moving in one accord as a family. I think there's almost no chance that he would have kept the dream to himself, especially considering that he had no children until 7 AC, and thus his sisters were his heirs and the only other possible safeguardians of this all-important secret. Aegon would never take the chance of it dying with him on a battlefield, so we can assume that all three Targaryen conquerors knew why they were using their dragons to establish a new dynasty over a united Westeros to prepare for the end of days. Now it must be said, friends, the idea that Aegon had a prophecy of the Long Night and 
passed it down to his descendants, really should not surprise anyone or throw anyone off, because we already knew that it was more than just Rhaegar and Maester Aemon who were trying to decipher prophecies about the Long Night and the prince that was promised. Most notable is this other passage from the Mystery Night, which takes place many decades after the last dragons have all died out. So, while the prospect of dragon's eggs one day hatching again is being discussed, Egg says, Someday the dragons will return. My brother Darren's dreamed of it, and King Ares read it in a prophecy. So what's important to realize here is that neither Daron or Egg is the heir to the king, who is King Ares, their uncle. And Egg is only nine, and yet they're both in on the Targaryen family secrets. And what secrets? Here we have references both to dreams about dragons returning, as well as older, written-down prophecies about dragons returning. Dragons returning, of course, means Daenerys, and therefore the new long night that is coming. So Daron's dragon dreams and these older prophecies are both about the same thing as Aegon's dream of ice and fire the end times, and the need for dragons to deal with them. In fact, I probably don't even have to tell you that the written-down prophecies Egg talks about King Ares reading in a scroll could very well be Aegon's dream itself, or perhaps written commentary on Aegon's dream. Or perhaps these could be more ancient prophecies, the ones from Ashai about Azor High, which of course also involve the return of dragons to the world the end times, and the others. Or perhaps even writings about the very similar and equally ancient prophecy of the prince that was promised, which is of mysterious origin. Now, of course, many characters such as Melisandre, Maester Aemon, and Marwyn the Mage speak of Azor High Reborn and the prince that was promised as if they are the same person and prophecy. And I do think they are the same person in that that person is both John and Danny. So that's a pretty interesting snapshot into the Targaryen royal family, right? And it shows us that at least at this time, they were basically workshopping these mysteries as a family unit. If Egg and Daron know, then obviously their father, Makar, knew, and Makar was actually also Ares's heir for a time as well, and of course would have been told then. And keep in mind, this was all after Baylor the Blessed, the book burner, so we know that Baylor didn't come anywhere close to erasing all the good stuff. Now, Egg and Daron are Maester Aemon's brothers. That's right, Maester Aemon is that old. And of course, we know that Maester Aemon dreams of the Red Comet and dragons in the snow. We also know that Aemon is well familiar with the prophecies of Azor High and the prince that was promised, and that he shared his knowledge with his great-great-nephew, Rhaegar, and that they collaborated on interpretation. Check out this other passage from Sam's Bravos chapters of A Feast for Crows, where Maester Aemon is on his deathbed, and Please forgive me for not doing my Maester Aemon voice. I'm trying to rest up my vocal cords a little bit and take care of them. They've been a little strained lately. Too many Nanny Vagar interviews, I guess. No one ever looked for a girl, he said. It was a prince that was promised, not a princess. Rhaegar, I thought. The smoke was from the fire that devoured Summerhall on the day of his birth. The salt from the tears shed for those who died. He shared my belief when he was young, but later he became persuaded that it was his own son who fulfilled the prophecy. For a comet had been seen above King's Landing on the night Aegon was conceived, and Rhaegar was certain the bleeding star had to be a comet. 
What fools we were who thought ourselves so wise. The error crept in from the translation. Dragons are neither male nor female. Barth saw the truth of that. But now one and now the other, as changeable as flame. The language misled us all for a thousand years. Daenerys is the one, born amidst salt and smoke. The dragons prove it. Just talking of her seemed to make him stronger. I must go to her. I must. Would that I was even ten years younger. Now, ironically, Maester Aemon longs to go to Danny's aid to counsel her here, but he doesn't realize that he's actually already had a huge influence on John, the other half of the prince that was promised, along with Danny. But more to the point of this video, you can see that Aemon and Rhaegar were putting their heads together to try to figure this stuff out, just as Aemon used to do with his brothers Egg and Daron and the other members of their family. You may have also caught the line about the language misleading them for a thousand years, which indicates that the prince that was promised prophecy is very, very old and goes back to either Valeria or Shy. Moving on from Egg's brother Aemon, we have Egg's son, Prince Jaehaerys. When Egg had become King Aegon V, Jaehaerys wed his son, Ares, who would one day become Mad King Ares II, to Ares' sister, Rhaella. And famously, Jaehaerys did this because a woods witch, who is almost certainly the ghost of the High Heart, prophesied that the prince that was promised would be born from their line. Ares and Rhaella gave birth to Rhaegar in 259 AC and Danny in 284 AC. So that prophecy turned out to be true. And knowledge of these circumstances doubtless gave Rhaegar an early start at being obsessed with the prince that was promised prophecy and eventually thinking that it applied to him or his children. What this all means is that there's basically a direct line of transmission and collaborative interpretation from the time of Ares I and Makar, which is around 209 AC, all the way down to Rhaegar in the 80s. The 280s, that is. All this we knew years and years ago, so finding out that Aegon was thinking about the Long Night too, well, like I said, it shouldn't surprise anyone. As I mentioned earlier, it really would make a lot of sense if the book version of Aegon's dream is also called The Song of Ice and Fire and that that is where Rhaegar picked up that language. Let's take a look at the full passage from Danny's House of the Undying Dream Vision from A Clash of Kings, which is seemingly a vision of Rhaegar with Elia and their son Aegon. The man had her brother's hair, but he was taller, and his eyes were a dark indigo rather than lilac. Aegon, he said to a woman nursing a newborn babe in a great wooden bed, what better name for a king? Will you make a song for him? The woman asked. He has a song, the man replied. He is the prince that was promised, and his is the song of ice and fire. He looked up when he said it, and his eyes met Danny's, and it seemed as if he saw her standing there beyond the door. There must be one more, he said, though whether he was speaking to her or the woman in the bed, she could not say. The dragon has three heads. He went to the window seat, picked up a harp, and ran his fingers lightly over its silvery strings. Sweet sadness filled the room as man and wife and babe faded like the morning mist, only the music lingering behind to speed her on her way. 
All right, so here we can see that Rhaegar thinks his son Aegon was the prince that was promised, but also that there would be three saviors, Aegon, his sister Rhaenys, and a third child that Rhaegar was still looking for at this time. A child that he eventually had with Lyanna, of course, who was baby John. In other words, Rhaegar was right, but also wrong, as most interpreters of prophecy are. John, not Aegon, would be one of the three prophesied dragons, and Rhaegar's sister Daenerys as well, though she wasn't born yet. So Rhaegar was still working on his interpretations here, as Aemon indicated, but we the reader can see clear references to both John and Danny here in connection with the Song of Ice and Fire and the prince that was promised. This is why Danny also sees, in a different undying vision, a blue flower grew from a chink in a wall of ice and filled the air with sweetness. That's a reference to John fulfilling his destiny at the wall as the blossoming and fulfillment of Leanna's legacy, since of course blue winter roses are first and foremost associated with Leanna. Also take notice of the fact that Rhaegar's harp music fills the air with sweetness, just like the blue flower growing at the wall. It's the song of ice and fire. Who the third head of the dragon is, is a juicy topic which unfortunately we can't get into right now, because I really want to focus on the fact that Rhaegar thinks the Song of Ice and Fire refers to the life and deeds of the expected prince that was promised. Where did he get that notion, pray tell? From prophecies he read, as we know, and the most logical conclusion is that chief among those prophecies was Aegon's prophetic dream. Additionally, we in the fandom have long suspected that prophecy is what led Rhaegar to eventually realize that he needed to have a third child with Lyanna Stark. Some sort of prophecy that spoke of a wolf maiden, or the house of the wolf, or some other veiled reference to House Stark. It's therefore interesting to notice that Aegon's prophecy, at least on the show, speaks of the North, and of the prince's song being of fire and ice. Fire is obvious for a Targaryen prince, but somehow Rhaegar must have figured out that for a child's song to be of ice as well, that child must be of the North and of House Stark, hence Baby John. All right, thanks for watching, folks, and I'll be back again soon with another video about Torrin Stark and the Pact of Ice and Fire and the whole connection between the Targaryens and the Starks and how this prophecy impacts all of that, as well as the end game of the Song of Ice and Fire. So you know what to do, make sure you're subbed to the channel and thanks everyone who's been subscribing as of late. Stay safe out there and of course, I'll see you every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific for Starry Wisdom Sunday live streams. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.